0: Hello and welcome to Cast, the world's best sports anime podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me today is a special guest, Matt. Hello. Today we are covering the first week of the fall season, covering every sports anime that aired in between October 1st and October 8th. Real quick, since this is the first time we have ever done uh, reviews of episodes week to week... We will probably just start off giving a brief summary of the episode, like nothing more than a sentence or two, just to, uh, you know, just give a brief overview so people know which episodes we're talking about. And then we're just going to jump straight into our thoughts. Uh, Also, real quick, one correction. During our fall preview, we said we would be covering TQ. What we did not anticipate, though, is when we started watching it, that there's not really a lot we can discuss about it because it is only two two minutes long. So, what we are going to do with TQ is we are going to cover it at the very end of the season, just as part of our fall wrap-up. So, anyway, we are going to jump now into our first episode of the season, Days. Yeah, so
1: Days is a continuing uh, series from last season, as many may know the other note on days is that because it premiered on october 1st we actually saw two episodes this week uh, on october 1st and october 8th so we'll be going over two episodes for days as well as for tiger mask and then moving forward it'll just be one episode a week um so these two episodes sort of begin the second major arc of the days plot where they are recovering from losing in the inter high um Tsukamoto is forced to confront the fact that he's not very good at soccer and he goes to the summer festival he talks with some of the upperclassmen about um areas that he can improve and what he needs to do and then he and the team go to a training camp they somehow fly across Japan for a, a training camp from hell episode version two um and, and that's sort of where it leaves us is that the team is rebuilding and training for the, uh, I believe, the Spring Invitational Tournament. Um, so yeah, these, these episodes were better, honestly, than what we've seen from days in the past. Um, I think... It's unfortunate for a sports anime, but the best thing about Days is when they ignore
0: soccer entirely. <laughs> I would have to agree with that. Yes, literally, the worst parts of these episodes are when they were get back onto the uh, soccer field.
1: Yeah. So, um, in in the first episode where he goes to the the summer festival, it's actually pretty decent. Um, he meets up with his childhood friend character Sayuri who is okay as a character i she has the same issue that every secondary character has in this show which is that she doesn't have enough development and the show introduces someone several episodes before has a quick note about them then you know 6 or 7 episodes later they expect you to care about them and when this character starts weeping or professing her love for sukamoto you're supposed to care or believe it um so it was it's one of those things with days what i'm noticing recently is that a lot of things about it would be well done if they had been developed as much as they deserve to be but the cast is so big and so underdeveloped that you can't really buy into any of the emotional poignancy
0: that they're trying to deliver (laughs) Right, like, one of the major issues I've noticed with days is that major characters basically don't jump in until they're really needed for the story. Which, I guess, makes sense in a way, but at the same time, it's like, you know, you can still have these characters, like, off to the side saying things or doing things that maybe aren't, like, major to the overall plot, but they still have some sort of involvement in the story somehow. But it's like, here, it's like, they literally only show up when it's that's like, oh, time to bring them in now. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's a, it's unfortunate because you feel like if Days had cut the cast that they try to develop in half, it might be okay. Right. Um, there's a lot of sports series that will have you know just by by nature of the sport, even something like High they have a relatively large team, but they just only develop the characters of a few main members and the other guys sort of stand as a chorus in the background and can can support from time to time but mostly there's only a few characters that they really need to develop days says oh well there's you know a dozen plus characters that are involved with the team let's develop
0: all of them equally poorly oh uh, yeah exactly like one of the best examples of this was actually at the end of the uh, the first episode of the season, with, I don't remember his name, but he's the assistant captain. Yeah, It's like, Usui. Yeah, Usui. Like, he's talking about It's like, wow, like, Usui, you're like a mother. Like, you know, you're always kind of babying us and, like, taking care of us. And it's like, have we ever heard Usui talk before? I know. Like, he just sort of was there all of a sudden. And now, all of a sudden, we're supposed to believe he's, like, this important character.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, with a lot of the characters in Days and some other shows... Um, prefer not to even use their names, because I feel like the show hasn't given the justification for us to know their names. Right. You know, they should just be the gray-haired character. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it, my my overall takeaway of Days was okay. There's still a lot of frustrating things. I'd say that the one other thing that I want to touch on that I like is that Sukamoto is sort of realizing that he's not good at soccer, uh, which is fun. Um, because that's what we've been saying the entire show. Uh, there was, in, in episode 13, he, out loud at, at the summer festival, he said that he couldn't play the, the festival games because he was unathletic and uncoordinated. Right. Uh, and everyone's sort of like, well, yeah, of course you <laughs> are. Why are you playing soccer? Well, because
0: um, it's, it's, kind of funny because in this episode, they actually, or in the second episode of the season, yeah. They actually address the fact that the only reason why Sukamoto even worked on the team is that he was so bad that nobody was even really paying attention to him on the field. Yeah. Which, yeah. It's it's kind of a weird way of it, it's kind of a weird strategy that I don't really actually see working just on the basis of Sukamoto himself is just so bad that he can't even make basic kicks. Yeah. I don't know. It just, it was kind of a weird thing to bring up.
1: Well, the other issue I had is that the the coach explicitly said that Tsukamoto's success, insofar as he had success, came from the right. fact that all the other players were compensating and covering for him uh, in order to make him seem successful right. and give him the opportunity to be successful. Um, Which, on one level, is like, oh, okay, I guess the first half of the show makes sense now. The other element, though, is why would they care? Like, why are they going out of their way to compensate for a terrible soccer player when they could have put... Even someone else who's already on the bench, they could have put in there and at least been competent. You know, you could have someone who's actually practiced kicking a soccer ball, and they could still... Fly under the radar, or whatever made-up strategy they had for Sukamoto, just because <laughs> they're not one of you know the main strikers. Um, so that was uh, again. Days tends to give you a little bit of logic, and for a second you think, "Oh, I guess that makes sense," and then you think about it for one more second, and you're like, "No, that no that no no work. one would do that." Yeah. <laughs> um, and the la- the last thing I want to say on this is my continuing frustration with days is that. They cannot decide if the school, Seiseki, the school that (laughs) that they play for, is a dominant powerhouse or an underdog. Um, Because when they get in, in episode 14, when they get to the training camp, there's all these bystanders saying, Oh my gosh, it's the Black Army, Seiseki, they're here to dominate, and everyone's afraid of them. And then they start to play their first scrimmage, and the other team says, Ha ha ha, it's just Seiseki. <laughs> like, we can take them down. It's like, make up your mind. Are, are, are you intimidating or not? It feels are these like,
0: guys underdogs or, like, the champions?
1: Yeah, it feels like they just decide on how strong Seiseki's reputation is based on what works for the specific context, but there's no continuity, and no one actually has any agreement on this. Um, and this training camp is supposed to be full of all the best teams in japan and whatever anyway so days um while slightly better is still not a not a good show um so i want to just move on to tiger mask tiger mask w um which is a new new show this season all the rest of these are our new series this season um tiger mask is a spin-off slash sequel to uh an anime from the 70s about professionally, professional wrestling called Tiger Mask. Um, this is supposed to sort of be the, the next generation of the, the Tiger Mask. Um, it essentially centers on the story of a small professional wrestling gym and their uh, lead wrestler who was attacked and basically nearly killed in the ring by a, a foreign wrestler from the global wrestling monopoly (laughs) uh, which is a hilarious name for an organization um and then the 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 two assistants to the the wrestler who's attacked basically swear revenge on uh this villain the yellow devil and decide to train to become the greatest um and so one naoto he uh stays in japan and he he trains to become a great wrestler and he eventually becomes Tiger Mask off screen Uh, and the other one Takuma he goes to North America and um, changes his identity or whatever and he joins the global wrestling monopoly and becomes an evil wrestler in order to supposedly destroy it from the inside but a lot of that is my assumptions because this show never explains itself (laughs) Um, but yeah, so so in these two episodes, the, the, the Tiger Mask team um, interrupts a, a Global Wrestling Monopoly match and Tiger Mask comes in to save the day. And then in the next week, the Global Wrestling Monopoly tries to schedule a match with Tiger Mask to get their revenge. Um, but in a stunning turn of events, Tiger Mask wins the match anyway.
0: By doing five suplexes in a row. (laughs) (laughs) I just would like to point out real quick that uh, a big thing in uh, WWE right now, and I only know this because of where I work, and we keep having advertisements for the new game, uh, Brock Lesnar's uh, big thing is he takes people to Suplex City, which is he just keeps uh, suplexing them over and over again. That is all I could think of when watching this.
1: Yeah. It's... So anyway, that it's it's honestly that's as much explanation as Tiger Mask really deserves. Um, it is. It's one of those things where this show would have been really fun if it had just played up the campiness of itself, right? And if it had had any animation budget, right? Um, the character designs and the animation is so flat. And so outdated um, um, that it almost looks ridiculous. See,
0: I, almost, I, the animation I agree with is a huge issue with that, because I, I feel like that this could have been something really special and fun, just looking at the character designs, because if you look at the line work, it's something that, like, take a close look at the line work, and it's like, you can see that it's like, re- like, intentionally messy line work, because it's trying to capture that spirit of an old 70s, like, anime, basically. True. Um, And I really, and if they've been able to combine that with, like, some, like, those, like, at the end when he's doing all those suplexes, like, I can just imagine, like, a scenario where we're getting some really, like, high-octane, like, just slams down on the ground. But it's just, it's done in just the most standard, boring way possible. Like, we don't really feel, like, any of the intensity of any of these hits.
1: Yeah, one of the things when we were talking earlier was that you felt like in every fight they have in this show all the attacks lack weight and -hmm. I think that's the best summary is that it all feels like cartoon characters hitting each other it you know it it doesn't it doesn't feel like there's any impact behind any of the hits and so you don't really understand why suddenly one wrestler is more powerful or effective than another you don't understand why anyone would take particular damage from any one hit because um, as stupid as this sounds it just they just look like drawings. they don't contain <laughs> any
0: weight or, or, right. or impact. And I really wanted to like this series like the first eight ep- uh, the first eight minutes of the first episode was some of the most fun I've had watching any of these anime just on the sheer insanity of what ensues yeah because we have a man who gets cut in the chest just by slashing with his hands. Yeah, we have the main character hanging over a tr- or hanging under a tree by his feet, who then where a bear th- uh, runs after him and he suplexes him. He flips around the tree, grabs the bear and sl- like suplexes him. Yeah, and then su- we also have bear mess, uh, bear chested men. Climbing blizzarding mountains to the top where the where the evil organization's headquarters are located as just like their final test to join this wrestling firm and I, all I was thinking watching this is like this is this is going to be my favorite thing this season like maybe not my my total favorite but this is going to be my fan favorite like my yeah. guiltiest pleasure and it's like but then like the rest of the episodes go on and it's just not that interesting it's just not that much fun after that.
1: Yeah, they don't really keep up the insanity of it. It's it's funny because one issue I see with Tiger Mask is it has this dichotomy between really intense insanity and like simple bureaucratic necessity. <laughs> where it's sort of... They talk about these wrestlers training to join the Tiger Den and it being this ultimate elite warrior organization. But mostly... But you also see their agent, Miss X, who is a ridiculous character design. Um, But Miss X having to come in and talk with some wrestling organization's manager in order to schedule a tag team match. (laughs) It's like, wait, is this like a life or death elite organization that does what they want? Or are they just like trying to clear their schedule on their iPhone? Because it kind of... It kind of, they can't make up their mind. Um, whereas, you know, in, in that same episode at the beginning, the 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 GWM wrestler who lost, uh, Odin, gets sent back to North America. And he's like, I don't want to, I don't send me back to the Tiger's Den. Don't do it. Because uh, apparently if you lose to Tiger Mask, you are then subject to the Tiger execution. Right. So it's like, wait, how serious is this? Is this an entertainment company, or are they actually murdering people? (laughs) They, the show can't seem to make up its mind.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I know. It's, I just, you know, there's just nothing more boring than after all of that, just going into, like, this, into this negotiation between GWM, uh, the, the Monopoly, I just, I love the fact that their name is actually just, they are the Monopoly on wrestling. Yeah. And this other gym where they have their, because they have to go into negotiations for a third gym. Yeah. Like a third party gym so that neither one, so that neither side is biased. Yeah. Or, and it's like, is this really what you want to spend to like eight minutes doing? Yeah. It's like, no, get back to the wrestling. Get back to muscly men beating the crap out of each other.
1: Yeah, and who who cares about the, the political organization of New Japan Pro Wrestling and its relationship to <laughs> the Tiger Mask team? Right. Um,
0: it's funny because I think it would actually be really interesting to have a sports series kind of like a big wind-up where it goes really into like the structure of how this is all set up. Like, but just doing it with wrestling, but you gotta choose one side or the other, you know? You either go full camp, or you go, or you go like, full bureaucrat. Like, you can't have these yeah. two sides, because neither side is gonna be satisfied.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, when I was first watching this show, the, the best way I could understand it was that what they were trying to do was pretend and act as though the narrative or the story that wrestling makes for itself cuz you know in in professional wrestling it's all about having a storyline. So it's trying to act out what if those storylines were actually real. So it's completely ridiculous in these you know these evil wrestling organizations and their life or death circumstances. What if that was actually what was happening behind the scenes? But it doesn't make any it, it, they can't actually pull it off because they do treat it as an entertainment industry, but they also treat it as a place where people murder each other in the <laughs> ring, and the rules don't matter, and the referees just get punched out of the way, and there are no consequences, and it's, it's very unclear. It's sort of like MMA,
0: but it's... I, I get... It kind of feels like if we were to actually believe like any insane story that's written for a wrestling match... Yeah. Like, let's just pretend for a second that that's actually real. And that's kind of what the series, like, feels like.
1: Yeah. The uh, the, the note that I made at, at the end of the first episode was that everything is manly and nothing is subtle. Um, <laughs> which is, I think, what it goes for. And that works for about half an episode, and then it's it's starting to play out so we'll see uh, they preview for, for episode 3 they've already said that Global Wrestling Monopoly's most powerful wrestler Red Death Mask is going to come to Japan to fight Tiger Mask in episode 3 they're already elevating it to Red Death Mask so <laughs> we'll see how they can possibly maintain the momentum from here but honestly I'm not not too mm. impressed but we, we should move on
0: yeah we should move on to uh, March Comes in Like a Lion, which also premiered on a Saturday, but uh, one week after Days and Tiger Mask did. But we're kind of counting it all with just Saturday. We're counting all the Saturday shows. Uh, so this was kind of an interesting one. I This has been kind of like one of the big hits. It was one of the most anticipated shows of the season. Um, And it's gotten really decent reception. Uh. I know you really liked it a lot. This was actually your favorite show of the season. I was a little more cool on it, personally. Um, Mm. So, so basically what happens is, we get an introduction to the main character. He is introduced to us as Zero, uh, but we don't actually get his real name until the very end of the episode, which is Rei Kiriyama. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, effectively what I got from most of this series is that basically what happens is Ray lives by himself well, he doesn't live by himself, but he is isolated from the rest of the world. he feels isolated from the rest of the world and he but he plays professional shogi right. and he goes in basically he goes in for a match at i I don't I wasn't quite sure if it was a tournament or if it was just like, basically like a training area for like like if it was like a clubhouse that he's just yeah. a part of but he goes in and he plays against somebody who is his who he kind of considers to be a father figure and he ends up actually beating him at shogi afterwards he goes home he goes back to where he lives where there's apparently a a woman who lives with her and her re- and the rest of her kids er, and like all of her kids and they spend time, they kind, of, and you can kind of see how different his shogi life is from his home life. And yeah. but I don't feel like, and I guess that was my issue with the episode. Is I guess I just didn't really feel like that there was a lot that was going on, like it. I think it is a very interesting show, because I feel like this does a very good job catching, uh, capturing what depression feels like for a lot of people. Because at first I was really frustrated with him, because he keeps talking about how he's so totally isolated and alone, and but yet he has this entire su- support system. He has this man who is like a father figure to him. He has this, you know, he has this entire family back at his place that he's actively trying to get out of doing things with. At one point, they text him and, be, and are like, hey, are you joining us for dinner tonight? We'd love to have you. And he, he's about to say no, like, sorry, I, I'm not really feel like, I got some things going on tonight. Basically coming up with an excuse. And then later what happens, but before he can even send the text, is that he gets another text from another person in that family being like, oh, if you're coming over, can you also pick up some stuff? And then he feels obligated to come because he feels like he's the only one who's going to be able to go out and pick up this material for what they're making for dinner. And that was really frustrating for me at first, just on the basis of, quit whining, you loser. Hmm. (laughs) Like, you clearly have people who care about you in your life, and you're just acting like a depressed, mopey teen for no reason. But I thought about it some, and that is really what depression feels like like just because you have people who are surrounding you and giving and basically love bombing you essentially like giving yeah. you all sorts of affection that doesn't mean you're going to feel any better about yourself or you feel any more trustworthy about yourself uh, about them right. like just because you have a support system doesn't necessarily f- mean you're go- you are just instantly going to depend on them
1: yeah
0: and i thought that was a really interesting take on it um, I think one part that was uh, done a little much for me is that when he at his dinner with the family, he sees something on the news that like basically he sees this news story where apparently a man was murdered and supposedly it was done by his son yeah. and he's thinking to himself like I am like this I am like this boy who killed his father with a hammer except I did it in shogi. Right. And again, that's another one of those instances where it's like I don't like you because that just feels really over dramatic and feel like you're p- placing way too much importance on this game. But at the same time, that is the he is he is effectively a teenager. I mean, he is a 17-year-old shogi player who basically doesn't really make very many connections because his entire life is trying to beat people at games. Yeah. And so I can still see how a teenager might feel like beating somebody at the at the game that they practice at for so long would feel like a betrayal of trust.
1: Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm not totally sure what the show is going for ultimately. I think that's one of the things I kind of liked about it was that it's. It could go a lot of different directions, and the first episode doesn't necessarily give you a lot to work with. It, right. Um, I like shows that don't feel the need to spell everything out all up, up front. Right. Um, my impression was not that he was a, that the man he was facing was a father figure, but he was actually his adoptive father. Because um, there's there's some flashbacks with. Uh, with Ray and two other kids a boy and a girl and this man Um, so I'm pretty sure that that Ray was adopted by him and then when he became a pro shogi player and was making enough income on his own he just moved out on his own because he does live separate from that family you talked about in his own apartment but um, he just visits them and they they try and keep him involved and it's not clear where that relationship came from Um, but, uh, so I like that. Like you said, I think it did a good job of depicting the fact that even if people love you, it doesn't make you happy when you're suffering depression. Right. Um, and that that's, that's a real thing that you can't just like logically decide to feel loved and valued. Um, and so I think that's an interesting and important depiction. Um, I thought the, I don't know, I, I thought... I I just enjoy a sports anime that is willing to be minimal in in its depictions. The other, I guess the big thing I liked is that there's a very drastic change in art style between sort of the A part and the B part. Right. At the beginning when he's just by himself and then playing Shogi and doing things on his own as opposed to when he actually shows up at the family's home. And it goes from a very cool um, technical art style to a a much warmer, cartoony art style. And his character design even becomes more cartoony um, when he shows up. And I like the fact that they have this fluid design that reflects his own emotional state. I thought it was done smoothly. And honestly, the reason it stood out to me is just that it was creative and it felt like all the decisions they were making were very conscious ones.
0: And, and I actually made note of that myself in my notes um but not on the art style what I noticed was actually in the cinematography. Mm. Like I thought they did this really great opening shot or these opening shots where he's just traveling to where he is just traveling to uh his clubhouse. I'm just going to refer to it as his clubhouse for right now. Yeah. Okay. Um <clears throat> But when he's just traveling to his clubhouse, and we don't really have any idea of... But at that time, we don't really have any idea of where he's going or what he's doing. And we just get all of these shots of him by himself walking through these crowds, and it really gives this feeling of, this is a man who is entirely alone, but just surrounded by everybody. It, like, it really captures the sense of isolation in community. Yeah. And I really, I like, that was probably the part I was most impressed by. Now, I do, one thing I did have a complaint with is that later on in the episode when he's playing the game versus his uh, adoptive father, is that, like, they start playing this music that's just, like, constantly somber, and just, and I just felt like that got in the way of me appreciating the moment. I would have liked it better had, during these moments, they would have stayed quiet Hmm. and like try like I would have preferred it if it had almost like a battery approach to it where it's mostly just very quiet and but then when and then when he goes to like his home we get like more of like a happy anime like comedy series you know with all like the blasting happy music just to just to kind of drive that point home but I felt like using that like using music during these opening parts kind of Beat me over the head a little bit too much.
1: That's fair. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think it has a lot of potential. I think it's very atypical. Uh, we're we're covering it because it is about uh, the sport of shogi, but it's very clear that it's mostly not about shogi, and it's going to utilize shogi as a metaphor for a lot of other things. Right. I was actually
0: um, about to say, like, I feel like this is a show that is. That, ha- like, it's not like some of these other shows that we've watched. Like, even Battery from last season, like, it wasn't really about baseball, but baseball was still, like, at the center of the story. Right. I feel like Shogi isn't even going to be in the center of the story here. Yeah. Like, he happen like, we're following a character who happens to be a professional Shogi player.
1: Right. Um, it just helps illustrate the kind of character they wanted to create, that he plays such a solitary, right. quiet sport. Exactly. Um, Anyway, um, so yeah, do you want to move on to Long Riders?
0: Oh, I suppose.
1: Yeah, so Long Riders was uh, an interesting show. It's a, a cycling anime. Um, the, the first episode basically just introduces the two main characters. They're um, new college students. Um, the, the main character is named Amy, uh, who is sort of a, you know, whatever... She's short. She's kind of clumsy and goofy, but very uh, excitable. The main character and her friend Aoi, uh, who is taller. She has you know long hair. She is, but one of the things she enjoys is that she is a cyclist. So she enjoys riding her bike, and that's about as much as you know really <laughs> in the first episode. Um, And the critical point is they're, you know, they're they're just showing up at their new university. And they... And Amy sees a girl riding a folding bicycle. Which is something that we don't really have in the United States. But it looks like it's just sort of a much more compact and simplified um, portable bicycle. And uh, Amy is so enchanted by... This bicycle that she decides she needs to buy one for herself so luckily her friend Aoi is a cyclist so they go to a bike store eventually they find um either either a used or just a subpar folding bike that Amy can actually afford uh she spends like half of her savings (laughs) on this bike um and then they go out on a bike ride and that's that's pretty much um the whole episode they meet up with a couple characters who based on the opening animation are going to become relevant later um but those characters aren't even named they're just sort of briefly introduced um but mostly you're just seeing amy uh fall in love with with cycling um and so there were a lot of things i liked about it and i'm just gonna make a couple notes first on things that worked for me and then i'll let you say things that didn't work for you because i know you (laughs) didn't love it (laughs) <laughs> um I so I have some but not an overwhelming amount of experience with cycling and so some of the things I liked about it was just that it was animated in a really dynamic way that showed y- you could feel the momentum of them going down hills, them coming over crests on their bike ride. It, it felt very realistic of sort of the joy and the unique Feeling of cycling of sort of the speed and the momentum and the thrill of it uh, which I really enjoyed and I thought it was done well I thought the art style was really good I thought the the direction was exciting Um, and I also liked the the fact that they communicate just how hard it is to cycle because you know they ended up doing uh, it, it's it's kind of funny that OI suggested they do a 40 kilometer route and Amy's just like oh, okay um, <laughs> but that's 24 miles you know on, on her first day cycling so they ended up going out way too far um, Amy you know couldn't couldn't keep going she hadn't eaten she hadn't prepared properly and then she at the end of the episode even after she finally got a meal she had to ride all the way back and that's just sort of very true of cycling that you overdo it and then you just have to suffer and endure and come back and at the end of the episode she um it's the next day and she's just dealing with the fact that she overexerted and she's completely sore and she can barely walk and that just that rang very true um, for me in my experience of overdoing it cycling. Um, I guess what I would say is what I like about it is that it clearly communicates someone who has a lot of joy in something new. Um, for her, it's it's this bike uh, that she never expected to enjoy something like this, but she's discovering it. She doesn't totally understand. She doesn't know much about it, but she just knows it's a lot of fun. And I feel like it communicated that joy really really well um, and I was just so grateful for the fact that they had a legitimate animation budget so they could communicate the things that
0: that they wanted to okay so this is where it didn't work for me because I'm going to tell you all right now because uh, Matt really liked this I actually disliked this more than days uh. Uh, <laughs> and and <laughs> I, like, I'm just going to also say this real quick, because Days at its worst is not as bad as this. I did, And I will agree with you here as well that the art style was generally fairly appealing. Like, I don't have any real complaints about that. And I don't think this will end up as being the worst thing this season. Like, I still have full faith in Days, and maybe Tiger Mask as well will probably end up worse. Yeah. My big issue was that I just felt like in this episode, nothing really happened. I just sort of felt like (sighs) there was no real conflict or anything that actually happened. Like, for example, I, I feel like we spent all of this time in the bike store looking at different bikes and that they were too expensive for her to afford... And, you know, I thought, it's like, okay, so we're gonna have a big resolution, like, you know, we're gonna have to learn... She's gonna have to figure out some way to afford this bike, and maybe that'll set up how she joins this club, because she joins the, she yeah. joins the cycling club, because, you know, that's the way she can get a bike, because she really wants to try riding one. And what happens is, they just go to another store and find a cheaper one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, what was the point of all the setup for how expensive this was, if she can just Find a cheaper one elsewhere. And, first of all, I will also say I did not realize that you had actually had experience for, with cycling. And, like, so I can't really appreciate those aspects of how it sure. captures cycling well. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: and I feel like the biggest conflict we had was her not realizing that you know, she was going to be running out of energy while she was doing this long ride. And, but again Long that's resol- <laughs> But again that was kind of resolved by the fact that these uh that they happened to run into these other cycling girls who had this gel. And I guess that's to establish these characters ahead of time so that they yeah. don't have to go into the cycling club later on, but I don't know. There's just no real conflict there. You know, then they draw you know, they they get her like a little bit of energy with this cycling gel, and then they ride out to a to an ice cream place and they get ice cream
1: yeah so this is um not going to be a female version of yeah. You know? <laughs> it's, it's not um i think it is going to be much less about becoming the greatest cyclist and beating the other teams or whatever i mean maybe it'll maybe it'll change but right now it seems like it's a show about um discovering the the simple joy of learning to do something new um so i don't know if it will be a show with much conflict to overcome other than the internal conflict of having to improve at something right Um, um
0: So, and I mean, I don't have a problem with it being more subdued like that. Like, I liked Battery from last season, and that yeah. didn't really have, like, an immediate conflict either. Yeah. Um, March Comes Like a Lion, even though I wasn't big on that, I can still appreciate a lot of the conflict that's coming in. Long Riders, I'm just... I'm just... I'm not really seeing anything all that interesting. Like, and I guess that's my major issue is, like... It her like uh Amy's setup is just like I've never been good at anything so I'm going to try this thing now yeah and my friends pr- like some series can do that and make it interesting but they generally have some sort of underlying character trait with that like an example like I 21 we have Senna who is basically this wimpy little kid but he discovers that uh that he can run really fast And that people can make use of that. And I guess, I don't know, just having a character who's just like, I'm not very good at this. Or, I mean, here, Baby Steps is another great example of, uh, is a fantastic example of that. Where we have a main character who's basically living an incredibly boring life. Like, the series is set up so that he's living the most purposely boring life as possible. His friends even comment that he's basically an old man already. Yeah, but he def- but he finds passion and the but he finds passion and excitement in this one sport of tennis, and I guess I'm just not really seeing that connection yeah. in Long Riders.
1: I agree. I think what we're seeing with this and March comes in like a lion is that I kind of prefer it when a show doesn't explain that much at the beginning and it sort of like gives it out in trickles over time. Right. But it, it is kind of like. It's kind of funny with the first episode where Amy just decides, it, it, right. does, it does seem a little random that she just decides that she's going to ride a folding bike. Why? And when asked, why do you want to ride a folding bike? She says, look, it's so cute. Which, you know, I, I, mean, I, I, guess I don't to be love fi- that.
0: And okay, so I will, <laughs> I'm actually going to defend that part real quick. I think that makes, it almost makes sense because how many people just try things on a whim? Yeah. And I guess it's interesting that the series is trying to actually portray that. Yeah. Like, I mean, Lord knows how many people I see who come into my store and purposely try, like, playing games just because, hey, this thing looks cool, and they find that they really love and get into it. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess that makes sense, but I guess I just, I don't think it's that interesting to see, I guess. Like, again, with March Comes in Like a Lion, we it we don't know everything that's going on, but there's a very strong implication like, right from the get-go, that this guy has some sort of, like, he's had some sort of event that has made him like this. Sure. And that there is still kind of that mystery, even though it's not really ever touched upon.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I think w- w- you make <clears> a good <throat> distinction that March comes in like a lion, leaves a lot unsaid, but you're confident that something will be said right. later like on to explain it. With Longriders, it might just stay that simple. It might just <laughs> be like, I like biking because biking is a thing that I like. You know, that might <laughs> right. be all it ever is, which, okay. Um, anyway, all, all, the, just to, to close out on Long Riders, I say I, I hope you keep an open mind with it.
0: I will try to because I... Because it does seem like the, the series could go somewhere. I'm just saying I was not impressed by the first episode. Fair enough. But we we also have another series
1: about a female sports team.
0: And one that we did keep an open of mind about because it was the surprise of the season. It was Scorching Ping-Pong Girls. Yeah. Great, Which, greatest not, title. Yeah, greatest point. title. Not a series we were really expecting much of. No. Um... But it turned out, it's not the best thing this season, but it turned out to be in the better half, yeah. I think, for both of us. Yeah. So, basic setup here is we have the main school, uh, Odo Academy, that were they were the reigning champions of girls' table tennis for nine years straight. All of a sudden, this complete outlier of a school uh, by the name of Hayabusa Academy... They get some sort of insane talent just in their first year, and they just destroy Odo. Like they and they completely dominate them and take out their ace. So the following year, they are on the uh Odo Academy is in the verge of rebuilding their school. They've acquired some new talent, uh, by the name of uh particularly by the name of Kamiya Agari, who is a very prominent uh promising second year, who Basically, she's won in district or she's placed in district tournaments, and they are relying on her to become their ace and lead them to the to the championship. However, they about eight minutes into the episode, we are finally introduced to the real main character. Her name is oh my, I'm just going to refer to her as uh, Koyori because I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce her first name because I am just going to embarrass myself. Uh, but Koyori is basically she kind of falls into the trope of. The unassuming main character who turns out to be, who comes out of nowhere and just shakes everything up and is, and just, this is kind of the same premise that Prince of Tennis bases itself on, where the main character just sort of comes from nowhere. He's this mysterious figure, and he's actually, like, super amazing. And that is the same deal with Koyori, with table tennis, and what happens is, on her first day, she immediately starts working her way up the ranks and is beating high-ranking players on the team. And this actually poses a threat to Agari, who actually really loves being the ace. Like, this, it's also kind of interesting in the sense that she... Like, in a lot of sports series, we see that, ace, that the ace of the team always has this sort of quiet dignity about them. Like they, they're always carrying the hopes and dreams of everybody else on the team, and they're they're just sort of the stoic figure. Agari, no, she loves attention. She loves the fa- she kind of quietly loves all the attention and the responsibility that she gets as the team's ace. Right. And this main and the main character Koyori, um, she is threatening that, and there's kind of this interesting dynamic between the two because Koyori is really shy. And doesn't like dealing with people, so she... But she relies on Agari to kind of deflect people from bothering her. But Agari also kind of hates her, because... You know, she's stealing away all of the attention that she's worked so hard to achieve. Yeah. And the episode kind of ends on this... This not really... I shouldn't say threatening note, but there's this sort of... We're starting to feel this disdain that, uh... Agari is starting to feel towards Koyori. Yeah, she's afraid that she's going to lose her spot and lose the adulation of
1: her team. Right. Um, I think... So, I want to say a couple things I like about it up front, and then a couple issues I had. Right. Um, I guess the thing I like is that it defied my expectations. Right. Honestly, I think that's what bumped it up more than anything, because... You know, initially we said that we were—we thought it was going to be Lucky Star with ping pong. You know, it's just going right. to be like cute girls doing cute things anime. Just because of the the character design makes it look like that. Um, it has a very cutesy character design, and yet it looks like they're going to treat the table tennis element of the show. Seriously.
0: Right. Like, um, one of the best things about that was at the very end of the episode, they're talking, um, so their their fourth seed player, uh, whose name is Mune Mune, who I'm not thrilled with, because, I mean, her entire defining feature is that she has gigantic breasts. I mean, her name literally means breast breast in Japanese. Yeah. Um.
1: It's an unfortunate choice. (laughs) It is
0: a very unfortunate artistic and personality choice. Yeah. But... Uh, they talk about how she's really talented at smashes and ping-pong. And so Koyori has some problems dealing with this at first, but then she figures out how to beat her because she's able to alternate her uh, her attacks on the on the, her receives. And so uh, Mune Mune can never really get in and do a smash when she's constantly having to switch her sides. Right. And it's like, okay, great. So this series actually seems to have... I, I don't know if it's actually accurate to ping-pong, but it gives the impression that... It is yeah. interested in ping pong,
1: unlike days.
0: Right, <laughs> exactly, and I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, um, I think I like that. I liked that. I liked the fact that it felt the the characters just felt a little unique for a sports anime. I liked Agari, the fact that she didn't she doesn't actually like ping pong specifically. She just likes that people praise her and right. treat, treat her special because she's good at ping pong. Um and so I think hopefully that'll be an interesting character arc to see her forced to discover whether or not she actually likes ping pong for its own sake when At this point, inevitably, Koyori is going to become the new ace. Right. um, Probably within an episode or two. Um, So, it'll be interesting to see. uh, I I like... Basically, Agari's character was the only thing that elevated this for me. The issue I had, actually, was what you mentioned at the beginning. Um, The beginning of the episode shows some previous inter-high tournament. Right. Inter-junior high tournament, I guess, in this case. Yeah. Um... With the, the Club, Klobo, well, yes, you have this established academy, and then this upstart comes in and, and sweeps them, and it's all very dramatic. But you never actually see any of those characters again in the episode. That is so, fair. I hadn't even so, thought of that. It's not actually... So you, you referred... I, I don't actually think Oda Academy is the, the main school that Agari and friends go to. I, they go to a different school. They were just trying... But the fact it's really easy to to interpret it either way because since the show does not explain the connection between the opening scene and the rest of the episode it's not actually clear what relationship uh this these schools have to each other oh and whether wow. any of whether, whether any of these characters actually know each other it seems like just a random scene that they introduce at the up uh, at the front to show you know who the elite enemy is um, and they'll maybe bring it up later. Uh, the only reason that I think it's relevant is that if you notice the um, the Hayabusa Academy, um, the 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 character with the long black hair who dominates in the the first scene has a little puppy design on her oh. uniform at one point, and that's the same. You see it in, in another form. On, on, like, a keychain or something that Koyori is holding. So I think the implication is supposed to be that Koyori transferred from that elite school, and that's going to be the connection later. Okay. Um, but it's done in sort of... It's done by via implication, uh, and so it's easy to get confused about right. exactly what relevance the opening scene has. So I thought that, you know... Maybe it'll be meaningful later, but in the first episode it was mostly distracting.
0: Okay. I didn't even think of that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, that's my interpretation. And again, because they refused to really give much detail on the significance of that opening scene, I could be
0: wildly off-base. Right. But, um, anyway. yeah. And then, my, uh, my larger complaint was largely that I think the series, the art style does not do the series any favors whatsoever. Oh, yeah. Like, it's honestly very distracting, and it hurts, like, the, it, it hurts my impression of it. Yeah. Because it goes against the tone that they're trying to create here.
1: Yeah, it's trying to be a serious sports show with Lucky Star-style characters. Right. Um, And if I wasn't, Doing this project with you, I would never have started
0: watching it anyway oh, yeah. because of the character. Design. Yeah, exactly. Same here. Like I would have just written it off as, oh, it's another Lucky Star like slice of life series. Except now they're playing ping pong. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. But yeah. But I think I am still I am still looking forward to seeing the next episode though because I'm interested to see how they're going to resolve this issue between Agari and Koyori. Yeah.
1: So we also saw uh, All Out which is a rugby anime. Um, I don't have a ton to say about this. Basically, it just introduces this main character named Gion, who is a short, violent boy. <laughs> <laughs> and he is contrasted with another new high school student named Uwashimizu, who is a tall, sensitive boy. And they're just yin and yang. Um, Uwashimizu uh, somewhat inadvertently introduces Gion to the sport of rugby um guillaume sees the the abject violence and the fact that he can play as a short person and that they're they're willing to let him join the team and he decides that he is going to devote himself completely to rugby he meets (laughs) a couple of the upperclassmen who are both very big and very strong and whatever um and gradually realizes that Iwashi Mizu is hesitant about joining the rugby team because he injured one of his friends playing rugby in middle school. Um, and that still still haunts him. And so he want, he, even though he's a natural rugby player, he doesn't want to play because he's afraid of hurting people. And I don't know. I don't want to say anything more about it because it, it all feels like it's been done before. Um, the, the show is fine. But it is no more and no less than exactly what you'd expect it to be. Um, so that was, I guess, my, my big issue with it is that it felt very paint-by-numbers.
0: Right. I still have hopes because basically all of this episode did was set it up for me to think, we're going to get a decent sports anime out of this still. But it does have that problem that it's pretty forgettable. Yeah. Like honestly, before, I kept forgetting that we were covering it, which is bad because this is probably the series that we would we were going to be most excited to cover. Yeah, because it has the potential to be like another a high uh, or Ace of the Diamond or another type of the like classical Shonen sports battle series. Yeah, and I mean it still could be that, but it's just this episode is just very okay. We're doing it now.
1: Yeah. It, it didn't feel like there was there was much meat behind it so I, I, I don't know it, it's kind of a wash for me i I hope that it can if it's gonna excel anywhere it's gonna excel in the fact that it teaches the audience about rugby and it depicts rugby matches rugby matches in a compelling way right but I don't think the characters are ever gonna be terribly deep which you know okay you don't mean right
0: that. I I kind of thought it was interesting that I don't feel like there's a very defined main character. Like, and I think that serves well to uh, to their whole point that there's no real star in Rugby. Yeah. Like, because I feel like both Gion and... Oh my god, I already forgot the name of the, the Washimizu. Dude. Yeah, Washimizu. Uh, I thought it was interesting that they both got pretty equal focus in this season, or in this episode. And... I like that they're not trying to belittle their whole point that rugby is a team sport and that nobody in particular is going to stand out. Now, it is also way too early to say that because it could very well be like, no, Gion is actually, like, the super best member of the team. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we'll see.
0: We'll see. But, yeah, there just wasn't a lot of meat to this. There was one part I laughed pretty well at, which was actually in their... uh, when they were doing their commercial bumper, and they had oh yeah 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 f- when the Iwashimizu was because there's this whole dramatic scene where Iwashimizu was walking away from the rugby team because he really doesn't want to join, and it's supposed to be this big dramatic finisher for the bumper or for yeah. the commercial break. And then for the bumper though, we see that uh, when he was actually walking away, it was a dead end, so he had to actually walk back awkwardly. Yeah, behind Gion, and basically be like, uh that didn't work out as dramatically as I had hoped. Yeah, so I mean, it it clearly it has the chops to
1: be an entertaining series, but it just it needs to
0: it needs you to, needs to, to pick it up a little. A little
1: bit yeah. Anyway, um, so okay, you also so... covered uh, Keijo, which yes. I did not watch and
0: am not planning to. <laughs> so here's the funny thing about Keijo... It actually could have been decent, but the problem is actually not in the areas you would expect. Yeah. So, one of the most striking... So, basic plot of this is the main character, Nozu, uh, Nozomi, is training for the sport of Keijo. Keijo is, a, uh, is actually based off an actual game that a lot of really young children play, in Japan, where they basically try and knock each other Mm -hmm. into water by using their butts. (laughs) Right. But in this world that they've established, Keijo is actually this massive sport that is uh, where girls are supposed to use their butts to slam into one one another and actually, like, knock each other. Like, it's the same basic idea, essentially. Yeah. But it's basically making fun of the fact that these games that we play as children like, grow into these grand spectacles. Sure. And I actually think that part is pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, but the whole point is that Nozomi and her friend Miata, or, yeah, Miata. It's like, I was thinking for a second, it's like, am I confusing that with the with a similarly named character from Hajime no Ippo? No. Uh, no, no, her mm-hmm. name is Miata. Uh, and her big rival Miata, they have been accepted into this academy that is solely focused on training girls for the sport of Keijo. Yeah. Um, and during this episode, like, they're being inducted into the university, they flash back to their big moment in the past, when, which was basically this test that they made or this this test that they passed so that they could actually even be expected accepted into this academy. And we sort of follow how that battle went. Which is basically, it was kind of There were a bunch of open... It was basically like a battle royale for bots. (laughs) Where basically they were... There were a bunch of different platforms that they could all run between. And uh, constantly fight and knock each other off. And during this we see like this true threat. uh, Like the real threat who was... uh, Her name isn't... uh, Hanabi. There we go. I was trying to find her name in the note, in my notes, but her name is uh, Hanabi, who was basically this monster at the sport of Keijo. She's sort of this unexpected, like, dark figure within the sport of Keijo, who was basically going around, who was, who whips her butt so fast that she could basically knock people. Like, she had almost like a sword slash, like, delayed reaction that's so classical in anime. The difference is rather than swinging a sword, she's swinging her butt and uh. people don't even realize that they've been knocked out. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> so and, w- one of the things this show, it feels like if it was just focused and I'm just doing this based off of your impression, if it was just focused on how silly it is that we treat children's games as intensely serious and take it like that, like it would be a fun sort of parody. Um but it doesn't it doesn't it, really stay there.
0: See, actually that's the that's actually I would argue because my big issue with this episode was that Nozomi and Miata's relationship was not clear at all because she constantly describes Miata as her rival, but when we look at that flashback, it seems more like Hanabi was supposed to be her big rival. Yeah. And that Miata is just a friend of hers and there's just no real focus On any of these characters, like, I don't really know enough about any of them. Like, I know Miata was apparently formerly in Judo, but she wanted to go into Keijo because it meant she could wear cute swimsuits. Uh. (laughs) Yeah! Or, there is something interesting there, though, with Nozomi, which is that there is this implication with, like, her manner of speech, because she always speaks... She never enunciates Gs she says uh when she says two she says ta like stuff like that like so it, there's a very big implication that she's very low class and that she also and everything that in the series is motivated by her money so like for example during this big test like the top 10 ranking people can get half off tu- tuition yeah for when they go to this uh, academy and that really motivates nozomi and it's like there is something interesting there with the fact that it's something that a lot of sports series tend to ignore, which is that, you know, everybody who gets into these sports, you know, they're filled with passion. They're filled with mm-hmm. with just love for the sport, and that's why they play. They're kind of ignoring the fact that, you know, one of the things that pe- really incentivizes people to get into sports is the fact that it promises them a better life. Yeah. And I thought that, and all I could think of was uh, listening to Nozomi, is, like, I'm just thinking of, like, for example, like, inner-city kids who, like, play basketball because uh, of hoop dreams, because they, they want that life of, Becoming big, like becoming one of these grand stars who like makes millions of dollars every year just yeah. for playing a sport. So,
1: but that, I guess, I guess what I'm interested in is a lot of that sounds actually pretty decent. But does that actually carry the episode, or does it? Kind no, of it not doesn't. Live up? Okay,
0: and that's the problem is that I don't feel enough of an attachment to any of these characters. And the funny thing is that the series apparently actually skipped like the first thirty chapters or so, which wow. was supposed to establish Nozomi and uh, Miata and their whole character arcs. <laughs> which okay. feels weird for me to, to be discussing about a series that is so blatant with about the fact that it's ba- that it's just. I mean, these are girls who are slamming their asses into one another, you know, yeah. like or yeah. like or in some situations their boobs, like. <laughs> Like, one of the jokes, is, I don't even know if it's a joke or just one of Miata's techniques is that, like, when so people are ca- trying to come at her for a frontal assault, she doesn't have a very big che- chest, so they think that they can get her easily because she doesn't have very good defense in the chest area, but she moves so fast that it looks like her ass becomes her boobs. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like a shadow image almost, but because she's moving so fast that she manages to hit the uh, hit her butt into them so fast that it looks like her chest is her butt.
1: So, I guess my my question to wrap up, Keijo, is what people were hoping it would be is so bad, it's good. Is right. it not that?
0: It's actually, it could have been good, but it's just blah. Yeah. Like, it, because it got very focused on the part that I think everybody was expecting out of it, which was, oh, there's butts and boobs. Ah, <laughs> like, look how wacky and crazy this is. Such yeah. silly fan service. And it's like, you know, there was actually. It seems like there could have actually been an interesting, like, commentary on sports series in there.
1: Yeah, they just didn't
0: play it but up. But they they didn't really play into that part. Like, they so, just focused on the part that any, that anybody actually cared about. Right.
1: Well, but we did watch a couple to wrap things up. We did watch a couple series that we did legitimately like, both like.
0: Right. And for me, actually, uh, the next one we're going into uh, Yuri on Ice. Was my shock of the season because I was not, I had not seen any of the previews for this. I had just assumed it was going to be another Cheer Boys situation where this was blatantly a, a series that was going to be made to pander to uh, Fujoshi yeah. to, and to, like, Yaoi fans. Yeah. And it is so much more than that. <laughs> yeah. It is still there, but it is not really a focus of the episode.
1: Yep, I agree.
0: So, the basic premise is that we have our main character, uh, Katsuki Yuri, who I am... Even though the series always refers to him as Yuri, I, from now on, am going to refer to him as Katsuki, just on the basis that there are two Yuris in the series, and it's going to be way easier if we just refer to them by their family names. Fair enough. Uh, So, Katsuki is a figure skater who was representing Japan in the, in essentially the, like, national, like, the global tournament. Right. For figure skating. And he scored dead last because he was nervous and his dog had recently died. So he goes back to his hometown, hanging his head in shame because he feels guilty that he couldn't bring it out. Like, he couldn't bring out, like, he couldn't bring Glory back to his hometown. Right. And while he's staying there, he meets up with an old uh, childhood friend, his friend who got him into figure skating, his friend Yuko, and he shows her his this routine he's been working on, which was a routine that his idol, Victor, uh, Victor, uh, Nikiforov, uh, this whole routine that he became very famous for. And what happens is he performs it perfectly. And as it turns out, uh, one of, one of her daughters is, was videotaping him that whole time. And she posts the video online and it goes viral and it catches the attention of Victor and he and at the very end of the episode, we see that he's come to meet with uh Katsuki mm-hmm. and b- basically offers to train him yeah and so what I really loved about the series was it's just brazen arrogance in its production, yeah. Like, I first of all, one of the things that struck me most was its opening theme. And I think this, uh, I think most people who have watched this will agree that opening theme is unbelievable. Not only in just how it sounds, but also the fact that it declares it's that this is a series like, its main line is, We were born to make history. Like, this series was had its manifest destiny was greatness. (laughs) And that is such a cocky, like, like, arrogant thing to say that could've, like... And if this series was any worse than it would've, than it was, this would've been a total... Like, this opening theme would've been a total embarrassment. Yeah. The other... And then the other uh, moment that occurs that makes me think this is that they spend an entire four minutes of this episode just showing, like, this figure skating routine that Katsuki was working on. Yeah. And... It is uh, like the animation during this is unbelievable. Like it almost like it feel it's it's almost it feels almost rotoscoped but it's not deliberate enough to be rotoscoped.
1: Oh wow.
0: Like that's what it feels like to me. I sure, could be wrong. Yeah, but they probably yeah, yeah. did do they probably was rotoscoped but yeah. just the sheer amount of audacity that they had to spend an entire four minutes during this first episode devoted to a single figure skating routine. Like, they could have lost people so easily if that scene was not as beautiful as it was. Right. But it showed a lot of confidence in its, in itself. And there's a lot... But beyond just that, though, there's a lot to like about it otherwise. Like, I love the setup to Katsuki. Like, there's a, there's a lot of stuff going in, on in the background in Katsuki's life. That makes him feel like a very well, like... He almost feels like a character who... Like, there could have been an entire story written about him before this. And it's all sort of implied. Right. And, like, for example, we see that... Like, when we go back to his hometown, they kind of describe the fact that this place is becoming a victim to uh, urbanization. Like, people are moving away from the city to move to the city... That, like, to move to, like, the big city. So, like, all of the businesses are dying out. Yeah. And, like, the city is basically just starting to, like... It's starting to lose a lot of its luster that it used to. Like, his family's hotel is one of the only places that is still, like... Still, like, a business in the area. Or right. at least for, like... Because they're losing a lot of tourism. So, just by that, we can see why it's such a big deal for him. Like why it was so awful that he did so poorly in this competition. Hmm. Because we can see, because, you know, having, like, a big victory there would have brought a lot of glory to his hometown. Because it's like, you know, this is the town where this famous figure skater was born. Like, come see the city that this man grew up in. And he let, but, and it, but that's never really, like, explicitly stated, but stated, but we can make the connection there. And right. we can see how that would have been a big motivation for him. With his childhood friend Yuko, I love the way that they handle this. Like, this was handled actually so much better than it was in Cheer Boys, where we have this implication that this main character has secretly been in love with his childhood friend, and we think that we're going to get, like, a confession out of them. And then out of nowhere, these girls pop out, like, to interrupt him before he's about to say, like, his big line of, you know, I've always felt something for you. Yeah, or
1: whatever we assume he was going to say.
0: Right, whatever, we can assume that's what he was probably going to say, but there's always been, like, this whole, like, this implication that he felt something for. And then out of nowhere, these girls pop out, and say, like, oh, yeah, you remember my girls, right? Like, they've gotten a lot bigger since the last time you were here. And then her husband pops out. And there's this wonderful implication that this is something that he gave up just to pursue for this dream he had. Yeah. And that he's still, and like, and he still failed. Yeah. Like, he gave up everything just for this, and th- and now this is where he's at. He's out of shape, he's depressed, and he has, ba- he almost has not, like, it's not so much that he doesn't have anything, but he doesn't have anything that he ever really wanted.
1: Yeah, I think you made an interesting point where you talk about how this, you feel like the anime should have started way earlier. Right. In that most sports anime talk about how someone gets introduced to a sport and then climbs to be the best in Japan or, you know, attempts to be the best in Japan, and it's about them growing up. This is about a grown man right? um, who has already become the best in Japan. That happened already. Um, But then he wasn't able to live up to the expectations, and now he doesn't, he's just an adult who's done with school he isn't really sure what he wants to do or why he should be doing anything um and it's just kind of funny that we begin with where most shows end end
0: which was basically this big victory Mm -hmm.
1: yeah which he like you know he, he if if this had if the anime had started in a conventional pattern, the Grand Prix that he
0: loses in the first scene of the first episode. Right. He would have won in the last scene of the last episode. Or maybe this would have been, like, a big transitional arc for them, where, like, they could still follow the series. Yeah. Like, at, like okay, so he loses the Grand Prix, so now he has to rethink his life, and then yeah. something happens. But the fact that we start almost in, like, the middle of his story... um and just having to discover everything that that's happened to him along the way is been really interesting, and it's really got me excited to see, like, the rest of the series. Um, it feels almost like it's, like, a redemption story for him, like, more than anything. Like, having to, like, had this started, like, at the beginning of a story where he got into figure skating, it would have been like, okay, so this is a series about ice skating, but starting in the middle kind of adds this whole redemptive arc to his, like, to this entire story, where he needs to now come out of this depression, this the shame that he feels, um, to base to come out uh, great again. Yeah. Um, and then and something else I really loved about his character too is that with his relationship with his with the person who inspired him, Victor, like everything about him was done to basically mimic Victor. Like we find out a lot of things about Victor's character, like he had like he had a poodle. So the ma- so Katsuki got a poodle by the and he even named it Victor. Yeah. Like even this whole routine that he does was basically done solely to mimic Victor. It almost it's like even though we have a sense of his character, it feels like he's done everything he can just to mimic somebody else. Which is what we see in that scene. There's just this beautiful like comparison uh, between Katsuki and Victor, because Victor is doing, uh, happens to be doing the same routine at the same time, and it feels like almost this transitional thing with one man's like grand arc finally coming to a close, and then Katsuki's is just beginning now.
1: Yeah, I and mean, and it's interesting too because it looks the implication is that he's going to retire in order to coach Katsuki, right? Um, and so i don't know it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see how they incorporate the background of this other yuri the russian yuri um and how the the two relate but i don't know i have high hopes like you said i was also afraid that it would be a cheap and cynical show kind of like cheer boys where it just introduces a bunch of different character male character types and you can ship them as you so desire um, but this feels like it has a lot more depth to it. There will be an expansion of the cast as we go on, but um, if they can maintain the tone they have in the first episode, I think it's really going to avoid a lot of those cheap right. pit- pitfalls.
0: I, this is going to be. I feel like this. If it can do that, it's going to be a really special series.
1: Yep. Yeah. And then, and Speaking we have of one series. more. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the last. The last show that we are going over.
0: Uh, which would be uh, Haikyuu in its third and probably not final season, but we'll see. Yeah, maybe final for a while. Right. So this episode felt very much like a calm before the storms. Uh, It's, everything is just, it's still, like, there's not really anything big going on, but you can feel this tension, like, building up. Basically, uh, the basic summary of the episode is, uh High gets to the tournament and they're all introducing their each other. Like they have their big introduction for like entering the the court for volleyball, and then the other team does, and they begin their match. It doesn't sound very interesting, I realize, by the summary, but there's a lot going on there. Uh just one of the major things I loved about this is how subtly they were able to reintroduce the main cast and the basic goals without it feeling like forced. Um, so one of the major, like one of the big things is uh, so Tanaka, who's the who's the bald who's the bald one who's hyperactive, yeah. and Nishiyoya, who's like the libero. So he's like the, he's like their main defense. Yep. Like, they're ta- like they're just talking with one another, and they're commenting about how there's a big crowd. And so, because there's a big crowd, there's going to be girls there, so they have to play well to, like, impress all the girls. <laughs> and then they also imagine, like, their team manager, like, praising them. Yeah. And it's like, I love how they're able to tie that conversation into what's actually happening on hand, rather than having to have this, like, hey, dude, girls over there! Let's go ogle them for a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like... No- that conversation was my favorite part of the episode. It was hilarious.
0: <laughs> um, and, but just, you know, moments like that are when, uh like, the, Hinata's walking along, Hinata being the main character, of course, and walking along and somebody mentions, like, you need to go to the bathroom, dude? You know, we got to you know, we do have our game coming up. And he's like, no, 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 I'm fine. It's like, I love that they re- they bring back his whole, like, issue with nerves and always having to run to the toilet before, like, a big match. Yeah. Without it, feel without actually spending a, like a lot of time on that, just situations like that. Yeah, um, I think
1: overall, that's what what the episode was trying to do is because they know they had a in a break. It's been whatever six months since the last right. season, and a lot of the function was just reminding people of who all the characters are and setting up sort of the trajectory of right. where their arcs are going to go for this season. So, yeah, it's impossible to jump into this without having watched the earlier stuff. But if you're trying to, just stop. Like, go... is an amazing show. Just yeah, watch go from watch the beginning. It. <laughs> um, but but I, I thought it had a pretty limited um, aspirations for the first episode. It just wanted to set up, remind people who these characters are, what they're doing, and then begin the first match so that in the second episode we can just jump straight into the action. Right.
0: And the other thing is that I found out as well, this is actually going to be a short season because it is only 10 episodes. So we're probably going to have like, so one of our big concerns I know for for the season was that the match was going to last too long. Yeah. But it's apparently going to, what we can assume is that if it's only 10 episodes, so shorter than even your normal 13 episode season. Yeah. Yeah is that it's basically we have one episode for setup, one episode for cool down, and then just a good solid eight episodes. still longer than anything we've seen before, but we also know that this match is five sets long rather than three sets, as has been the standard for the rest of the season. So it's kind of justified being a pretty long match. Not only that, but this is the big match that the series has been building up to, with basically these... I know we make fun of this in days, but these legends of vault, of high school volleyball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but one of the major striking things about this series, and it has always been, has been how well they use the animation, Not ju- and not just for just looking great, which is, I think, something that Yuri has a tendency to do, like Yuri on Ice has a tendency to do, or did in that first episode, but also to kind of tell a story there. Mm-hmm. Like, I love... Uh, I love how, like, one of the very first shots of them entering the gym, they have... They're, in the past seasons, they had this girl by the name of Michimiya. She was the captain of the female high, uh, volleyball team. And they've always kind of established this thing between her and Captain Daichi of the male team. And what we see, like, off, like, off to the side, like, we still have a focus on Daichi and Michimiya talking... But off to the side, you can see uh, Suga, who's the uh, silver-haired kid, who's kind of, who's one of the reserve students on the team. Like, you see him kind of, like, nudge uh, one of the other teammates, and kind of, like, give him, like, a smirk, and then they just sort of walk off. And I love how they're, how well they bring up this whole connection that Daichi and Michimiya have, just by these characters who are off to the side, just their small interaction. Without having to, like, divert focus being like, ha ha, like, oh, Daichi, he's having... He's flirting with Michimiya again.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, like, I... It feels I, lo- like you're just being re... It doesn't treat the audience as needing to be held by the hand.
0: Right. And it and it's always done that. And that's always been one of Haiku's strongest features. Or, like, later on in the series, like, they have just this big hype moment for the introductions of each of the characters, which was appa- which I found out was actually not in the manga. Oh, uh, they okay. completely added this for the anime, but it works so well because you can like this is really a time when the animation shines, how you can see how each of the characters like, you know, how they're all running out into the court and they're like high fiving like they're, like their uh the captain, their coach and their trainer. And you can see how each of them does, like, different high-fives, like, with Tana- uh, Tanaka, yeah. who's, like, really energetic. And he just—and, like, you can really feel, like, the weight of his, like—of hi- his, like, high-fives. And he just slams down on the—on the trainer and their coaches like, hands. While he also just sort of, like—he doesn't want to, like, hurt Kyoko, their team manager, so he kind of <laughs> gives her, like, a normal high-five. Or yeah. with uh, Sukushime, who's the—who's uh, the blonde-haired with glasses— He's, yeah. he's he's always been a lot more reserved. So when he's doing the high five, he's just kind of running by and just giving them a quick high five, like just sort of like a running like here, where our hands are going to connect as I run.
1: Yeah, and, like, I, just, I I loved the way they depicted that for all they they went through all the main
0: Karasuno and like um, and they characters. gave all of them like a dis- like they made all of them distinct.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. It, I it, it sounds so stupid to feel that moved by a high-five animation. Right, but... but... what what it felt like to me was I was reconnecting with old friends. Right, um, no, and... I
0: totally get what you mean. And I just, and I love, and I love this setup between uh, Karasuno and uh, Shiratori Torizawa. Yeah. uh, Like, because you see each of them as they enter, as they enter the court or enter the, uh, the gym. And it's like Karasuno's all, like, scattered, and they're all, like... They're all kind of doing what they do when they're nervous. And then you have Shira Torizawa, which just sort of enters, like, almost like a procession. Yeah. Like, this very organized, like, well-toned machine, almost. Yeah. And they just, they do, they just, they do everything so well and communicate it all so well just through the animation and context, rather than just having to constantly explain everything. Now, part of that is also from the benefit of having two seasons to set all this up. Yeah. But, but it still works out very well. Or, oh my God, just like the crowds, like how we see the crowds uh, build up. Like, I love how the crowds are growing. And it's, we see that through the characters, like how many different characters they have on the, like through, through the side cast, like all of their siblings or like family members or stuff like that who have been, Showing up, And you can kind of feel the connection to these characters and how the crowd has grown. But anyway, I've probably rambled on long enough about yeah. this.
1: I, I think what I can say is that even if all these new shows end up either disappointing us or not living up to expectations, Haikyuu is the one that I'm not worried about. I know right. it's going to be solid. I know it's going to be fun. Um, so if nothing else, we've always got Q. Right. Um, but yeah, so this is... I and mean, this is a lot of anime, Matt. I know this was a kind of uh, an interesting challenge to get through these ten shows um, for this week and then to, to keep it up in the future. But I think, you know, we're learning a routine, and I'm looking forward to seeing whether our expectations from these first episodes bear out in the future. Um you know, I'm also trying to keep up with a couple other shows. <laughs> like, like an insane person, I'm trying to watch the new Gundam as well. And right. I don't know. We'll see if that falls to the We way. got Great
0: so, Passage as well that we're going to check out.
1: Yeah, yeah, Great Passage once it starts. But um, anyway, uh, thanks for uh, joining me, Matt. Thanks for inviting me on as the guest. <laughs> uh, I appreciate no it. No problem. Um, but uh, that concludes our episode for this week. Our logo design is by James Ratcliffe. The theme music is Fly High by Burnout Syndromes, covered and performed by Luke Bartka. You can follow cast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and our email is koshiencast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll be back next week with the best and worst from the world of sports anime, and until then, keep training.